Last week, if, uh, if you're able to, to join us either in person or, or, or watching, Pastor Jeff brought what I felt like was one of the best, most timely messages that I have ever uh, heard in all my life. Uh, it, it was really, I thought, spot on. It was for me. And the, his, his illustration that he used to, uh, to start off about Eastman Kodak has, um, has, has left this mental picture in my mind all week that's kept me... Uh, knowing that we need to adjust rather than go bankrupt. We need to adjust rather than to be left behind. Make those adjustments that are important. Jeff reminded us that the past is gone and the future is still yet out there. So we are living in the present and we need to be operating in the present. But to do that, Jeff said, effectively and to do that efficiently, we need to be sure that we're building on a solid foundation. And uh, as I was listening to that, I jotted down, this is what said to me, that I need to be sure that I'm making the unchangeable Jesus who's committed to changing me more and more into his image, my unchangeable and solid foundation that I build upon. And that's what we need to do, is, is building upon him. So it doesn't matter whether you're a graduating senior or whether you're a senior or whether you're anywhere in between there, that, that we need to be living our lives with a determination that we're going to be growing in a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And our mission is to help others come to that place of growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. To do that, Jeff left us with some, uh, some verses, some scriptures, uh, several scriptures that we could cling to, that we could build on. And the last one he left us was Romans eight twenty eight. It's a verse that... Uh, I've stood on often and a verse I'm sure that many of you that have walked with the Lord for a long period of time have said to yourself the promise of God that God is working all things together for good to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. So it's that verse that I want to tag to this morning and continue Jeff's, uh, kind of what Jeff started last week with me because as he was sharing these verses the thought came to my head, well, what is the good, what is the good that God is working out of this pandemic worldwide? What's the good that he's working individually in your lives? Uh, what's the good? What's, what's this? That's what I want to talk about this morning. To do that, start with, I want to go to, to Romans. I want you to go to Romans 8 with me. And uh, just for... Uh, I don't know, help us maybe just look at it afresh. Uh, I've asked Craig to put this up here in, uh, in, in the, the message. So don't, don't run me out of town. I've got King James right here and whatever translation you have. But, but listen to this and let God's word speak to you. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, but God's spirit is right alongside helping us. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us making prayer out of our wordless sighs and groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition, and he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is working into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. That's like last week. You remember I told you two weeks ago, and I said when I, it just dawned on me 
that, that God was, was wise. I mean, I was talking about the trees and the leaves, remember? And I just said, man, God, you're so wise. It, but God knew what he was doing it's from the beginning. He's pretty smart. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. And God, after God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he then set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of his chosen? I love that. Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God, I like this, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not pandemics, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in the scriptures. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. And listen to these last two verses. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unimaginable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. And then back with Romans 8, 28, because that's where, that's what we're taking, that's the, that's the scripture this morning, that's the message is Romans 8, 28. And I want you to, to read it with me. This is the way I memorized it when I was growing up and probably the way you learned it. This is from King James. Read it aloud with me. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? Huh? Amen. amen. If you believe that, I'm gonna count three. If you believe that word, I want you to say amen on three. One, two, three, amen. Now that's good preaching when you can get that many amens. And you know what? This, this word is true whether you believe it or whether I believe it or not. It's true because it's God's word. And God doesn't say, hey, hey, do you think this, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll tell you this, and if, if enough of you believe it, well, it'll be all right. No, it's true, because he said it, he spoke it. Every word is sure. So if God is working all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to purpose, what is he working through this pandemic? Now, I'm gonna give you a, 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 just a tadic, a, a bit of a disclaimer right here. Uh, because for some of us, uh, and I've talked, for some of us, this pandemic has been a, an inconvenience. And for some, a bigger inconvenience 
than others. Barbie just loved it. I was at home more. Um, the honeydew list, I thought, Mike, that I was going to narrow that thing down. God has given the ladies, I'm just sorry, he's given most wives this, this uncanny ability. Every time I mark one off the top, she has another one on the bottom. So, but it's been, for some, it's been an inconvenience. For some, it's been, but we've made good out of that. But for others, it's been much more than that. Uh, they've lost their jobs. Uh, some of them don't know if they're going to have a job to go back to. And then others have even more seriously than that, they've lost loved ones. They've lost family members or close friends that have, have died because of, uh, of the COVID virus or other things. So it's been, a, it's been a time when I think I could say for all of us, though, it's been a time when I've missed getting together in, in person. Uh, missed hugs. I've, I've hugged our dog, the neighborhood dogs and cats, you know, and, and uh, we've done all, all kinds, of, but I've missed you. Uh, and I know you've missed. And, and those of you that aren't able to be here yet, I know you, you long for, and for the time when you feel comfortable enough and when it's, you've been given the clear. It's okay uh, to get hugs again. But until then, we're doing elbow bumps and knuckle hits and, uh, and just, uh, you know, this phantom embraces. But just know that you're loved. But we've missed that. And we're blessed to be able to, to be open and back up. But there's other places that still they're, they're not allowed to do that. Um, miss our church family. Had a lady, Jane Johnson's here. She comes first service and she's one of our widows. And her husband, Maury, went home to be with the Lord a few months ago. And uh, about the second or third weekend uh, when we wouldn't have services, I called Jane. I said, Jane, I, it says, Pastor Jerry, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. And she, she said, Pastor, she said, uh, listen, she said, I was in isolation before this. And she said, the church family was my family. And she said, I really feel isolated now. And uh, so she was here this morning. So after service, several people, I mean, she was getting hugs all over the place. She was racking them up, you know. But, but for some, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's been tough. The, last, the first Sunday we were back, a couple, three Sundays ago, Paige uh, made this comment to me. She said, I didn't realize how much I missed being together. Now, we missed church, but we were close enough. We could go over to Paige's, and I would, you know, we had take a cup of coffee, and she had muffins or bagels or something to eat on, and, and uh, you know, they'd put it up on the television, and I'd put my feet up, and we'd, we'd get together, and it was neat. It was neat, um, but it's not the same. So I've missed that. So that's a little bit of a disclaimer. It's affected us in a lot of ways. What I'd like to do now is I, I've, I really feel like I, I need to try to, to refocus us to that which possibly has got out of focus during this time and then close by coming back to Romans eight twenty eight and asking and saying, okay, what good is God working through all this, this thing? And to, to help us refocus, I want, to, I want you to go with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is attributed to being written by Solomon. And uh, what do we know about Solomon? What, what the first thing comes to your mind about Solomon? Wives. Oh, wives. Somebody's, oh, my goodness. That wasn't the first thing, but Mike, I can understand. They all the, I don't know how many, 300 wives and 600 concubines or porcupines or something. There's a bunch. <laughs> wives. Oh, I thought she said wives. Boy, thank you, Teresa. 
Teresa, Teresa, you're, you're so tanned, I can't see you blushing, Mike. Mike, Mike said, wise. That's all we... Boy, we worked out of that, didn't we, brother? Yeah, we, we did that. He's, he's known for being the wisest man that, that's ever lived. And last night in our Bible reading, we, we were reading about the, the, the two women with the one baby, you know. Wisdom. So as, as Solomon writes the words of Ecclesiastes, it's really him stepping back and looking at life. Uh, and, and for Solomon, uh, Solomon had the perspective in one place in Ecclesiastes. He said, hey, he said, I've, had, I've, 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 had all the, I've done everything I want to do. He had enough money. He could buy anything he wanted to buy. He could go anywhere he wanted to go. He could do anything he wanted to do. What a, you know, what a burden that would be. I, I think I could try it for about a week or so. But, but he looked at all this and he said, man, it's vanity. I, I was trying, I was thinking first service. They reminded me of, uh, of this billionaire that died. Wasn't, wasn't that Howard Hughes or whatever? He was, he was really rich. And um, they say, I, I read about the, in kind of the latter days of his life that he ate mostly Twinkies and stayed in isolation because he was afraid he's going to, you know, he's going to eat something that's going to kill him. And I'm thinking, man, he could have had chocolate cake and soup beans <laughs> and probably lived just as long. But he settled for Twinkies. But he had all the money in the world. But that didn't, there's, there's a part of us that God created that's going to be satisfied with nothing less than a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can have, you can accumulate things and toys you can accumulate fame, you can notoriety, you can do all these things. We can buff up, we can trim down, we can swell up with, I love the scripture, godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, you, know, been, you know, do that. We can do all that, but if we don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're never gonna be satisfied. So if Solomon takes us through that experience uh, in, in Ecclesiastes, but there's some good things that he reminds us of uh, to help us refocus. And the first one's right off in Ecclesiastes. Starts in chapter one, verse nine, and I'm gonna, I think it's verse nine through eleven. It says, "The thing which has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done." And and I'll be reading just like I don't understand King James. That's why is he saying it that way? And he sums it up right here. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what he's saying. There's nothing new under the sun. Verse, let's go to 10 and 11. Is there anything wherever it may be said, see, this is new? Or has it been already of old time, which was before us? There's no remembrance of former things. He said, we forget. That's what he's saying. We forget them. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that come after. I... Uh, in this pandemic, I've watched a little bit of, of TV, and I, and I like watching Mountain Men. Uh, any of y'all watch Mountain Men? Old reruns. There's, there's a guy out in Montana, Tom Orr. Tom and his wife, and Tom is a trapper, and he is a master. I watched last night. He had, he had caught two coyotes, and he skinned these things out. I mean, I mean, I mean, he skins them out awesomely. And, uh, of course, he makes a, a lot of, he makes a living doing that. But it's, I watched it last night. He skinned this thing out. Now, don't wanna, I don't want too much information. I don't want to get gross. But he brain tanned them. Now, I, I grew up, Daddy told me, he was talking about deer skins. And he said, son, there's, the, there's enough brains in every animal 
to tan their hide. So Tom last night, he, he, was, he dug the brains out of this coyote skull and he put them in a pot and he boiled them and he was putting them on with a paintbrush and he was telling about brain tanning them. And as I watched that last night and, 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 and I was amazed, but I looked over to Barbie and I said, because Tom said, he said, he said, the ancient peoples have been doing this for hundreds of years. And Phil, I thought, I wonder who was the first person that said, if we dig this thing's brains out and boil them and rub them on this hide, we can tend it that way. I mean, that's just how, that's just, that's just you, know, you know how to pray for me. That's pitiful to think that. But, but there's nothing new. Solomon reminds us, first of all, that there's nothing new under the sun. Maybe new to us. This, this pandemic thing, never seen anything like it. But there's a lot of things I'm, I had never, I, I grew up, I never heard the word tsunami. I, we didn't learn that when I was in school. I don't know if they had them, and I just not heard of it because we grew up in Blairsville, but I can remember when the, when the tsunami, when this earthquake hit under the ocean, hundreds and thousands of people were drowned. So I learned about tsunami. And then pandemic, and, and, and to, to see the, the global effect of this COVID-19, a large percentage of the world economy in a matter of weeks shut down. Things changed. And here they're changing so often. You know, and, and uh, uh, this pandemic, but Solomon has said, hey, don't forget, there's always been plagues and, and, and pandemics like this. And I thought, you gotta be kidding so this week, I, this week, I kind of look back. Now, I don't think there's probably anyone here, but I can remember early days of COVID-19 of, of the news reporters reflecting on the Spanish influenza of 1918, 1919. Uh, Mike, we were just kids then, so I don't remember it real well. I don't know why I'm picking on you this morning. You're just there, brother. I, I, it, it, one, of, one, of, one of my elders. And I just did. Uh, but uh, I, I researched that a little bit. And uh, it was the influenza. It was kind of worldwide. Listen, in 1918 and 1919, over 20 million people died. Over 20 million people died of this influenza, of this Spanish flu. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. And then I, I read another one and I, uh, about... The, the, the great plague of 1665, 1666. Now that was before our time, but, but we know this. I, I remember reading a little bit about it. It's also known as the bubonic plague or the black death, the black, black plague really ravaged England and London. In London, over, over 15% of the entire population in London died of this plague. Now, uh, some good things that came out of that, I was thinking, as I was reading about it, they sent the kids home from school, kids that were in boarding schools, colleges, sent the kids home. Um, Isaac Newton, we know him as Sir Isaac Newton, but Isaac Newton was one of these college students, and he was sent home from Cambridge, I think, he was sent home, and they told him, keep doing your studies at home, okay, now they didn't have computer, and so Isaac Newton brought his math papers, and he continued working on the math problem, and his, that work that he did at home became the basis of our calculus today. So you brainiacs that are good in math, 
role, you engineers, you just love this calculus. Also, as during this time of the, the plague of 1665, when it's attributed, and, I, and I, the more I read about it, there's, there's, they say there's truth to it, that Isaac Newton was sitting under an apple tree. And you know what? The apple fell and hit him on the head. And, he, and his thoughts was, why when that apple turned loose to that tree did it fall down and not up? And so he began thinking about gravity. And so he did a lot of research and a lot of work in the gravity. So some good things. But, but in, that, in that plague of, I've got to go, in that plague of 1665, the, the mortality rate of the bubonic plague at one point was 30%. Now think about that. One out of every three people that caught that, that uh, what was it, a plague or disease? It was caused by mice on rats. Right? Anyway, one out of every three people that was diagnosed with it died. Now, uh, the mortality rate, last I heard, we were talking about this yesterday, last I heard in, our, in this country with the COVID-19, the upper end of it is 2%. So 98%, 98 people out of 100 that, are in, that get COVID-19, 98, 98 of them out of 100 are going to live. But 2% are going to die because of COVID. That's too, too many. I understand that. But to compare that with 2% with 30%. You see what, what Solomon is, is telling us, and I think he's wanting us to understand, is uh, this too shall pass. I remember the first time I heard somebody tell me that. I think it was Sandra Aikens. One of her, she was a great, she is. She's a great godly woman. She taught home economics here. And I had the privilege of teaching with her for a few years in high school. And she told me one day, she said, Jerry, she said, this too shall pass. Now, I don't remember the context of what it was. I think it may have been that about something raising teenagers. <laughs> and, uh, and, and she just reminded me, they'll go, they'll, they'll keep, you know, Lord willing, they'll keep, they'll keep putting years. And one day they're going to be smarter than they are now. And they're going to look back and say, boy, we were dumb then. Yeah. So this too shall pass. But Solomon is reminding us that plagues come and plagues go. So this too shall pass. So, so in the meantime, we walk by faith, one step at a time, doing the next right thing. That helps us refocus. It's, not, it's new to us, but it's not, it's not the first time. Second thing that, that Solomon reminds us of is in chapter 2, verse 16 of Ecclesiastes, and then, uh, and then in verse uh, 2 of, of the seventh chapter. In 2.16, he says, For there's no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. Seeing that that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how doth the wise man as a fool? Chapter seven, verse two. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For that's the end of, of all men. And the living will lay it to heart. You know what, what Solomon's reminding us of is that... Uh, we all have an appointment with death. Scripture says, for it's appointed unto man once to die. Now, again, sadly, while we read the, read the reports or hear the reports, and they say in the United States that the numbers that have died from this COVID-19 now are, are over 100,000. Now, I, I personally, just as Jerry Helton, personally, I think that number is probably inflated, and I think it's inflated for this reason. I've talked to some medical people and the way that it's reported, 
Uh, if there's underlying cause, underlying cause, if a person died of a heart attack or if a person died of, new, uh, of some unrelated disease, but they had COVID-19, I'm, my understanding is that oftentimes they had to report it as a COVID-19 death. So that inflates the numbers. I, I don't know what's got to do with that. Maybe politically motivated, I'm not sure. But that's, that's a lot. That's too many. But people have died. But nevertheless, we need to remember that heart disease, cancer, accidents, all these things can send us into eternity. Now, a pandemic may make the possibility of that seem more immediate, but we need to refocus. We need, we need to focus in that death didn't enter the world through this COVID-19 virus. Death entered the world in the Garden of Eden through sin. And Romans reminds us of that. For by one man sin entered the world and through sin, death is the result of sin. That And we need to refocus and be reminded of that. Um, there's nothing new. People have lived through this. People have died in these. And that we, we need to understand we, that we all are going to die one way or another. Thirdly, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse, in Ecclesiastes 12, 1, is, is another verse that many of you have memorized. But it's a good reminder for Solomon says, Remember now the Creator in the days of your youth. When the evil days come nigh, nor the years draw nigh, when you'll say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, while, while, we, uh, while we look at this, uh, this uh, COVID-19, and while the more at risk are those that are, that are uh, medically compromised, or those that are with years on them, may be more susceptible to this. But we need to, Solomon reminds us that even the young need to take to heart and need to refocus and be crystal clear that all of us are going to die one day, somehow. And that when we do, all of us are going to have to stand before a holy God and give an account to our Creator. Now, the pandemic can be used to help many of us refocus upon eternity. That it's not just about here and now. That it's about eternity. Fourth thing, and then I'm going to tie some of these together. Fourth thing is kind of at the end of Ecclesiastes. Remember I told you that and if you go through this book, it's just, it's, he's saying, man, I've, I've tried this, I've tried that, it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't satisfy. Uh, vanity, event. life is just a bunch of uh, d disappointments and emptiness. But he gets to the last chapter of chapter 12, verse 13, 14, and Solomon is summing it up. And he sums it up like this. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And he sums it up very, 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 he ties it up in a neat package. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret, secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. Summed it up. Fear God. What does that mean? I think fearing God to me means recognizing, first of all, recognizing who he is and know that his word is true. This virus didn't catch God by surprise. God didn't say, oh my goodness, there's a new virus out there and I never planned for this. I never thought about this. What are we going to do? He didn't panic. It didn't catch him off guard. And listen, 
Romans 8, 28, for God is working all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose is just as true today, the last day of May in the year 2020, as it's ever been. Amen? Amen. It's just as true. Now, having said that and looked at trying to get us to refocus, to refocus that there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, this, this is new to us, but we don't need, we, we, people tend to forget. And if time continues and the Lord tarries long enough, you know, they'll, they'll someday kids will be born and they'll forget about the pandemic and the social distancing and, and all the things we've learned in this time. There's nothing new. And that we all die. And that we, as, as a result of that, we're all going to give an account to our creator for what we've done in our bodies. So it helps us to refocus on eternity. Now, sum up. What's, what's, what's some good that he's doing out of this? Well, two or three things. One is I believe that God is trying to wake up the spiritually dead to life. He's trying to wake up those who are dead in their sins to life. There's some scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 has got a couple of good verses. Verse 1 and then verse 5. It says, And you, us, hath he, God, quickened. That means he's made us alive. He's made us alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. For when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Okay? It's that, it's that, it's that part of us that I was talking about in, uh, that with Solomon and Ecclesiastes. It's that part of us that God has created to have relationship with him with. And one of the things that, that I fully believe is that God is trying to speak to people that are lost. And he's saying, hey, eternity's here. If, you know, you may not think, you may think you've got forever, but now people are saying, well, what if I catch that? What if I die? This song, did you, the song that we, the praise team led, did you, did you pick up that last verse? And when I breathe my final breath, I don't have to fear that rest? You know, why? Because I have a relationship with him and I know where my eternal destiny is with him. To say goodbye here to people I love and the friends I love, listen, it's going to be reunion with those that have gone before and it's going to be a meeting face-to-face my Lord and Savior who died for me. Now, that ain't all bad. For a believer, that ain't all bad. But God is wanting us to see. Without him, we're, it's, I mean, it's, it's a walking dead. I don't, I don't watch that. I don't watch weird. Some of you love that stuff. I know that. And, and you look at me and say, you watch Mountain Men. That's weird. They're killing colleges and skin them. You already watch that stuff. I, I don't watch this. But there's a, there's a, a thing called walking dead. But you know what? Scripture talks about that that we're walking around without Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're here this morning and you've never asked him to come in your heart and life and save you, or if you're watching and you've never done that, you're a walking dead person. That's what scripture says. You say, well, I'm not walking dead, I'm breathing. Listen, do you know how fragile life is? Do you know how fragile life is? Paige and I were talking yesterday. She, she's, she was talking about this sermon Jonathan Edwards wrote, Right? Great Puritan preacher, and he was, God used him in the Great Awakening. But he had a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Okay? And in that sermon, he talks about that our lives are like a, just like a dangling by a spider's web over the pit of hell. 
And people say, well, God ain't like that. I, I think the, the, what Jonathan Edwards is wanting people to understand, life is that fragile. Just like a spider's web. Some of you that are here this morning, some of you had heart attacks. And, all, and, and, all, and then God, in his wisdom, decided to leave you with us in your back. But there was that time when you probably didn't know anything was going on. I remember I've never been in a bad car wreck, only one. And some of you have been, been that. But I, the only one I've ever been in is I was, I was going, I was turning left. I was oncoming traffic, so I'd stopped. Had my sing, uh, signal light on. And I was watching the, the traffic coming. And I heard a loud noise. Just heard a loud noise. The next thing I remember, somebody trying to wake me up. Trying to wake me up. And I'd, I'd been hit in the back by a big truck. And, uh, and by God's grace, uh, his wisdom, he, he, he allowed me to be here. Mostly okay. No, I'm just messing with you. That's, that's horrible. See how horrible I am? I shouldn't even do stuff like that. Uh, I... I you got to pray for me. Anyway, anyway I, remember, I remember this was the thought that I remember. They were trying, the first thought I remember is them trying to wake me up, but I thought, you know, just as easily, I could have been, I could have been waking up in heaven. Honestly. And that, I, that rolls to this day. I know that. It's just that quick. One minute you can be waiting to turn, and the next minute we can be in eternity. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to a place that's better. So the Lord is trying to wake people up so that he can give them life for death. Second thing that God's trying to do in this, I believe, is that he's trying to, he's endeavoring to wake up the spiritually asleep to good works. Romans 13, verses 10 through 12 says, love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it's high time to wake up out of our sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I, one thing that I've seen in, in, this, in the last weeks, eight weeks now, or I don't know, uh, three months, is I have seen believers, I have seen Christians rise up to the occasion. I've seen young people helping older people. I've seen some of y'all making masks and giving them away to help with the healthcare workers or any type. People, a lot of people made masks and they had put them out under the, the, the porch at the Family Life Center, had people's names on. People would come by, get a mask, wouldn't have to touch anyone, and they'd get a mask and, you know, they've made masks. They've, they've worked, they've donated, they've given. And it's opportunities. Things, times like this create unparalleled opportunity for Christians to be light and to be salt. And it's an opportunity. I believe the Lord's saying, wake up, guys. You got opportunities here. Take advantage. Jeff was, Jeff's message last week, take full advantage. Let our life be a mission. That we're committed to, to encouraging other people to find that and to be in that living relationship with a Lord that loves them. Finally, he's, the Lord is, I believe the Lord is trying to wake people up to good works. He's trying to wake up the dead to life. And the th third thing that I believe is that he is pointing us up to get us look up for his coming is near. Luke chapter 21, 
verse 28. And uh, getting ready to close and we're gonna have a time of communion. If you did not, when you came in, before I do this last point, when you came in, if you didn't get a communion cup, uh, but you're likely, we've got, we've got a couple of our deacons in the back. If anybody needs one, raise your hand. They'll bring it to you gloved and they'll hand it to you. Anybody didn't get one that would like one. Over here, on the, I've got some right on the far side, a couple of guys. Thank you so much. They did such a spectacular job. Paul was tripping everybody that came in and while they were down, Frank was giving them their cup. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. They didn't do that. All right. Luke chapter 21, verse 38, or verse 28. Luke has just been going through a lot of the, a lot of the things that, that we could be, that would be pointing to a time when our Lord Jesus Christ was going to return for his church. Okay, we call it the second coming of the Lord. And he was just, he was listening to a lot of things. And then he writes this. He said, when you see these things come to pass, then look up and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, I love this. And there is so much that we could unpack in this verse. Um, he tells us when you see all these things happening, look up. And he don't just say it like this, okay? He says, lift your heads up. Now, it's got a double meaning. One, I think he wants us to look up in anxious anticipation of his return. But, but I'm reminded when I read this of uh, the story of Peter in the gospel. Remember when Peter in the storm in the boat and, the, and he's walking on water, Jesus said, okay, well, come to me. So Peter's out there walking. And scripture tells us that Peter looked around and saw the storm raging all around him. And when he looked around and saw the storm, what happened? Like a lead weight, like an anchor, went down. It's when he cried out Jesus and looked up. It's easy today uh, if we look around and look at crazy things that are happening, look at the unchanging, I mean, at the changing worlds to the unchanging Lord and seeing all this crazy stuff and hearing all this stuff and seeing our nation uh, in this in turmoil, burning and looting. Now, now listen to me. This is Jerry Helton time out. The, the death of, a, of, the, of the man, what was that in Minnesota? Minnesota? That, that, was, that died in, a, in, a, in custody of the police. I, I, it's hard to watch. It shouldn't happen, in my opinion. It's tragic. I don't know, understand all of that. But justice will be served. But in my opinion, going into stores and stealing stuff and burning stuff has nothing to do with that. I think there's always people that are willing to take advantage of a situation for their own good or for their own evil designs, okay? That's neither here nor there. But when we see all these things come, to, come around, it's easy to, to get our head down and say, oh man, this is crazy. Our nation is going, going to pieces. Uh, I'm glad I'm not in a big city. I'll blah, 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 blah. And, and we just look down. And, and Psalms says, the psalmist says, he's a lifter of my head. And the best picture I ever had, what I, I, I think of that, is when one of our little kids, grandkids or some kids, they'll get hurt. And they'll come to you. Tears will come to daddy and, and she'll skin her knee and she'll be crying. And, and her daddy will take her head in his hands, just lift her up and say, it's going to be okay. I'm going to fix it. Where's mommy? <laughs> Go get mommy. <laughs> All right. So he's a lifter up of our heads. He wants us to look up. He's pointing up. And I believe in what's happening. He's pointing around. And he's saying, look up. I'm coming. And I want you to look for my coming with anxious anticipation. Because I'm your Redeemer. I'm your Lord. Well, may we walk by faith, letting our love for him and our love for each others be seen by the things we say and the things we do.
walking one step at a time, doing the next right thing until he comes. We're going to have a time of prayer and then we're going to share in communion together. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for your word that is a solid foundation that Jeff pointed us to last Sunday that we continue building upon this Sunday. That, Lord, you are working good even out of the crazy stuff that's going on around us. Good for those who love you and those who are called according to your purpose. Lord, I believe you're wanting to, to wake people up to new life in Christ. I believe you're wanting to wake believers up who may have been kind of dozing along and kind of easing through and you're wanting to wake them up and say, hey, here's opportunity, take advantage of it. I believe you're wanting us all to look up and to realize, hey, this is just part of the fulfillment of your plan that you're coming and we need to realize that our redemption is closer today than it was yesterday and we sing hallelujah and nobody can take that hallelujah away from us. Father, it's my prayer. If there's anyone here this morning that's never trusted you, that this morning your word has penetrated their mind, has penetrated their very soul, and, and they're saying, I want that relationship. I, I believe Jesus was God's son, and I believe he died for me, and I want him in my life. If that's you, just say right now, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. And just thank him for that. Hallelujah. Maybe here this morning and you say, hey, I've, I've been a believer, but boy, this has been a wake-up call to me, Pastor. This whole COVID thing. And I praise the Lord that he's, that he's shook me and he's shaken me. And I want my life now to be a reflection of his love and the good works that I do for him. Not to earn his praise, not to earn favor with him, but to bring him glory because it's more about him than it is me. And Lord, I pray that you keep all of us. Lift up our heads, Lord. So easy to look around and put our heads down in discouragement. But you and your loving hands, your nail-scarred hands, taking us by our chin and say, hey, 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 look up. I'm coming. And I thank you for that. And as we share in this communion together, may we be so mindful of your how you made this relationship possible, how you make this anticipation excitable through your redemption of us. In your name I pray, amen.